and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, December 1st, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. So glad that you can be here with us. For our live stream on CannabisRadio.com, we're also simul-streaming, simulcasting, whatever you want to call it, on 420Radio.org. Hope you're all getting a nice clear signal. We're working out some of the technical details as we uh, continue our migration from 420radio.org to cannabisradio.com. If this is a new piece of information to you, don't worry. 420 Radio will still exist. It's just going to transition into being an all-marijuana music station. We're going to turn it over to Herb Thrasher and Big Daddy Fink and let this be an all-music, all-concert, all-cannabis events sort of live stream and we'll uh, work in conjunction with cannabisradio.com. You might see us, both of us at a lot of these events. So going to be a good time moving forward. Also, uh, we're still working on the uh, RSS feeds, uh, getting the show back up on Stitcher and on iTunes. That will be coming up very shortly. So thanks to those of you who've been sticking around through all 693 of our shows. That's our, uh, our total so far. We're rapidly approaching show number 700. Now, coming up on today's show, we've got all sorts of interesting stuff to talk about, including our guest joining us at half past, who is Michael Sindrich. He is the chair of the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. This is a group of current and former NFL and college football players that are lobbying for recognition of medical marijuana within uh, the football community, especially understanding how much THC can help mitigate the damage of concussions and traumatic brain injuries. So Michael Sindrich will join us at half past. We'll be talking football and marijuana. Looking forward to that. Two of my favorite things. Also coming up on the show today, uh, we'll have time for a radical rant. uh, Looking again at California, and they're gearing up with... I believe 10 different initiatives now that have been submitted to the Secretary of State's Office for Legalization of Marijuana, and some of the proponents of some of the initiatives are taking pot shots, pardon the pun, at some of the other initiatives. And my radical rant today is all about how it's cool to be fighting for your initiative. It's not cool to be fighting against someone else's. So uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time for some drug war data mining. I was updating my map today on the commercial marijuana bans here in the state of Oregon. Everybody's looking to the state of Oregon as being the state so far with the best marijuana legalization law. And yet over half of this state, marijuana businesses are not legal. That's right. In over half of the state, marijuana businesses are banned. We'll also tell you how many people in the state of Oregon that affects when we get to the drug war data mines. That comes right after the behind the headlines segment. 
In the headlines today, Dan Riffle, longtime policy uh, director at Marijuana Policy Project, has resigned his position with MPP, and the reason why may not surprise you. We'll tell you why when we get to Behind the Headlines, and that comes right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we've got the possibility of legalization in Massachusetts. We've got pesticide news in Oregon, North Dakota medical marijuana, New Jersey marijuana arrests. New York Native Americans looking to produce medical marijuana and Minnesota looking to expand its medical marijuana to suit chronic pain. All that coming up on the Russ Belleville Show, plus Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio, where we take your calls live at 971-533-7111. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com, featuring reporting from the Associated Press. Now, your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds in the Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, December 1st, 2015. The campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol in Massachusetts submitted more than 103,000 total signatures and 64,750 valid signatures of registered state voters are required to qualify for the November 2016 ballot. The Secretary of the Commonwealth is expected to validate the signatures by mid-December, at which time the petition will be transmitted back to the Massachusetts legislature. If the legislature does not adopt the initiative, initiative backers must collect 10,792 additional signatures in June of 2016 to place the initiative on the November 2016 ballot. 
The proposed initiative would allow adults 21 and older to possess up to one ounce of marijuana and grow a limited number of marijuana plants in their homes, similar to home brewing, and create a 3.75% state excise tax on retail marijuana sales in addition to the standard sales tax, and allow local governments to establish an additional local sales tax of up to 2%. Starting next spring, Oregon will require all marijuana products sold in dispensaries or recreational shops to undergo testing for nearly 60 pesticides. Until the new rules take effect, the state plans to allow the marijuana industry to continue to operate as it does now, with broad pesticide regulations that allow tainted products to end up on store shelves. But on Monday, the Oregon Health Authority signaled that it is willing to consider tightening up current pesticide rules until new, tougher regulations go into effect next June. A member of the committee that advises the agency on medical marijuana rules on Monday pressed the state to require tougher testing between now and June, pushing the health authority to ditch its current requirement that marijuana be tested for four broad classes of chemicals and instead require testing for 10 or 12 of the most commonly used pesticides. Backers of a proposed medical marijuana ballot measure have received the go-ahead to begin collecting signatures to put their measure on the November 8th general election ballot, according to a November 30th news release from North Dakota Secretary of State Al Jager's office. The North Dakota Compassionate Care Act, which is backed by the North Dakota Committee for Medical Marijuana, would allow state residents to possess up to three ounces of marijuana for medicinal use. Qualified patients would also be permitted to purchase medical cannabis from state-licensed dispensaries or cultivate small amounts at home. Supporters will need to collect at least 13,542 legitimate signatures from residents to get the proposed measure on the ballot in 2016. Nearly double the number of people were arrested for marijuana possession in a year in New Jersey compared to 20 years ago, according to the latest figures available. The change runs counter to the the nationwide trend as public acceptance of marijuana use grows in the United States, leading generally to a decline in arrests. UD Ofer, the executive director of New Jersey's ACLU chapter, said he's especially concerned by the numbers because studies show African-Americans are charged with simple possession three times as much as whites, despite both groups having the same usage rates for the drug. New Jersey's 24,765 arrests for possession of small amounts of marijuana in 2013 was the state's highest number in 20 years, nearly doubling the amount in 1993 when the population was 12% less. Simple possession is considered less than 50 grams or about one and three quarters ounces. The Shinnecock Indian Nation in New York is considering possibly producing medical marijuana on their lands in conjunction with state and federal laws. Last year, the Cole Memorandum was created as a guide for Indian tribes that want to produce medical marijuana in states where medical marijuana has been legalized. According to the memo, some tribes have requested guidance on the enforcement of the Controlled Substances Act on tribal lands by the U.S. Attorney's Office. The Minnesota Health Department is set to announce whether it will expand the legal use of medical marijuana to cover people with intractable pain. The department's top leaders were due to announce their decision Wednesday, after several meetings around the state, to gather public input. Medical marijuana's use was restricted to just a handful of conditions when legislators approved it. That disappointed supporters of medical marijuana and has held down enrollment, leading to higher costs for those using it. A decision on whether to add chronic pain has been legally required by January 1st, Minnesota's medical marijuana is non-smoked forms of marijuana. Whole plant marijuana is not allowed. This has been your 420. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, December 1st, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. This is the Russ Belville Show. 
Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Canada Business 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. And behind the headlines today, we're taking a look at the transition of marijuana legalization from being an activist-led movement to now being an industry-led movement. Uh, the story comes up from the International Business Times. Headline is that a major pot activist quits marijuana policy project, says industry is taking over the movement. Uh, according to the report, Dan Riffle, the federal policy director for the National Advocacy Group Marijuana Policy Project, or MPP, and one of the most outspoken advocates of cannabis legalization, is quitting his job. As Riffle noted in an email to colleagues in early November, quote, the industry is taking over the legalization movement and I'm not interested in the industry, end quote. And on that same day, MPP announced a new political campaign funded by marijuana industry revenues. The two announcements weren't completely a coincidence, according to IBT, that quotes uh, Riffle saying, I think it's a pretty stark example of the kinds of things I was concerned about. And that were the reasons why I left. I felt for the last few months, the industry was kind of dominating the legalization movement's work in general and MPPs specifically. Um, He also worries about how the industry might lobby for things that perhaps activists wouldn't be in favor of. He says, quote, they might lobby for preferential tax treatment that drives down prices. They might lobby for less regulation. The industry's goal is to make money, but from a public health perspective, we might have other goals that are at odds with the industry's goal of making money. Uh, the uh, story goes on to talk about Ohio and how that was uh, you know, industry-dominated uh, legalization that managed to fail. Uh, it talks about... Um, I love this uh, paragraph about it's not that big business hasn't been seeping into marijuana industries in other parts of the country. In many of the new medical marijuana systems launching in various states, the only dispensary operators who can afford the six-figure application fees and multi-million dollar performance bonds required are those that already boast hefty financial assets. And in recreational markets like Colorado, mom-and-pop cannabis operations are going out of business as those who are left consolidate the spoils into statewide chains. But most of these developments went unremarked. The Ohio, pan, the Ohio plan was so audacious, so transparent in its corporate machinations that it was no longer possible for those both inside and outside the marijuana movement to look the other way. So um, 
yeah, now now the question is about Big Pot and the activists getting left behind as the industry moves forward. Ethan Nadelman from Drug Policy Alliance is quoted as saying, we're entering a new era of marijuana law reform in which the influence of funders and organizations driven primarily by concerns for civil rights and personal liberties and not by any financial interest in legalizing marijuana will be superseded by people and corporations driven largely by their pursuit of legal profits, end quote. Now, the uh, the influence of uh, corporate marijuana is pretty obvious when you start looking at Arizona and Nevada's campaigns for legalization, both of these funded by Marijuana Policy Project. Uh, Nevada is instituting a system where both medical and personal use marijuana is subject to grow halos, which is if you live within 25 miles of a pot outlet, you are not allowed to grow your own marijuana at home. Obviously, this doesn't help many people from a civil rights perspective, but it certainly helps people from an industry perspective to not have people uh, to not have the people competing with them by growing their own free cannabis in Arizona. Uh, they've already had MPP already instituted the 25 mile halo in medical for their recreational bill. Uh, they have given broad powers to the localities to be able to ban personal cultivation, personal home cultivation, and nearly every locality in Arizona wants to. So the legalization MPP brings us in Arizona may also be a no home grow style of legalization. But of course, California is the big one. Uh, billionaire Sean Parker uh, is funding the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, and there's at least nine other initiatives that are looking to uh, legalize in the state of California. And uh, as this continues, as this, this trend continues, marijuana advocates, advocacy advocates are put in a delicate position of having to fight against initiatives that they feel are ceding marijuana over to the corporate interests and thereby voting against their own best interests in ending their own criminality. We're going to see this writ large in California. There's a sort of a mini version of this battle going on in Massachusetts, where there's another MPP uh, led initiative that's more restrictive than what the activists are proposing with Bay State repeal. Michigan's got a similar problem where there's two or three different initiatives that are uh, battling for the ballot. Well, excuse me. So it is a big mess out there when it comes to marijuana legalization. We are in that crossover stage between advocacy and big business. And it's only going to get more big businessy. I say learn the new paradigm and evolve and adapt to it. Tilting at windmills isn't going to help anybody. Happy 420 Denver. We're back after this. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. 
Visit mjba.net for more details. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Arguing for the end of adult marijuana prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It is even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more in this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everybody. We go to the Oregon Drug War Data Mines today, specifically the website marijuana.oregon.gov. And on that website, you can find a link to the cities and counties that have enacted bans on marijuana commerce. It's uh, marijuana.oregon.gov. And that's what we're going to focus on today is the fact that marijuana business is banned in over half of the state of Oregon. This is, of course, thanks to the infamous West Idaho Compromise, and it works out to having bans in 16 counties that make it uh, 52.7% of the land area in those counties uh, are, oh, I'm sorry, not 16 counties, it's, uh, let's see, 4, 8, 9, 13 counties, my bad, 13 counties. So those 13 counties, the landmass comprises 52.7% of the state of Oregon where marijuana commerce is banned. That's no licensed uh, cultivation, no licensed processing, no licensed wholesaling, no licensed, re- no licensed retailing. And the counties that have instituted these bans, Baker, Crook, Harney, Klamath, Malher, Morrow, Umatilla, Union, and Wheeler counties, their bans are immediate and not subject to a vote of the people. That's because of that aforementioned West Idaho compromise. Uh, What that was uh, is we passed Measure 91 here in the state of Oregon by 56% in an off-year election, the greatest support any statewide marijuana legalization vote has gotten. Uh, Washington, D.C. got 70%, but that's a district, not a state. So Oregon's got the biggest support for marijuana legalization, and part of our statewide vote said that counties and cities do have local control. They do have the right to ban any of the marijuana licenses. However, if they do that ban, they have to subject it to a vote of the people. 56% of the state of Oregon statewide voted on this and said, if there's going to be a ban, it should be subject to the will of the people through a vote at the next general election. But after Measure 91 passed, the legislature was then tasked with writing the laws that would implement Measure 91. And in HB 3400, they implemented what I call the West Idaho Compromise, which says all of these counties that are east of the Cascade Mountain Range the area I like to call West Idaho because culturally, geographically, uh, religiously, uh, economically, it's very similar to my home state of Idaho. But anyway, the counties that voted more than 55% against 
Measure 91. They really, really hate potheads. They really, really hate pot. They voted more than 55% against it. The compromise allows them to institute bans without a vote of the people. Now, their argument was, well, look, we just voted on legalization and we just rejected it out of hand. Why should we have to vote again to reject pot shops? And my counter argument to that would be because it's two different arguments. The first argument was marijuana is completely prohibited in Oregon. Should it be legal? And sure, maybe you voted against that. Maybe you rejected that as a county. But the second vote is now that marijuana is legal and anyone can grow and possess it, should there be pot shops? And I would argue that's a different question because now that it's legal, that you may have rejected it as a county, but it's legal statewide, everyone can possess it, everyone can grow it. Would you be better off letting those people sell their stuff on the black market to each other or setting up some sort of pot shop where you can at least get some tax revenue off it? I think a lot of those pot-hating counties could be argued into supporting pot businesses as the lesser evil to allowing personal possession and personal grows to become a cover for black market operations. But those counties, Baker, Crook, Harney, Klamath, Malher, Morrow, Umatilla, Union, and Wheeler never get to hear that argument because their counties just banned marijuana commerce with no vote of the people. The four other counties with bans are Douglas, Jefferson, Lynn, and Marion counties. Uh, but there, the people will have a chance to weigh in because those counties still have to follow the law that was passed statewide. The combined land mass in those 13 counties comes to 51,810 square miles. That's over half of Oregon's total 98,381 square miles. And there are 825,921 people living in those counties that makes up 20.8% of Oregon's estimated population. But in addition to these county bans, there are also 46 cities that have enacted marijuana business bans. 26 of the 46 cities also won't have to have any vote of the people because 26 of those cities are located in counties that voted more than 55% against Measure 91. So if you add in those cities that aren't already in the counties that have bans, add in the extra cities, you get another 139,537 people. That's a total of 965,458 people, or 24.3% of Oregon's population. Or for soundbite purposes, you want to boil it down to a soundbite, almost one in four Oregonians lives in over half the state where marijuana businesses are illegal. Nearly a million people in a state where marijuana is legal have no legal place to buy it. They have the legal right to grow four plants. They have the legal right to possess marijuana. But where are they supposed to get it from? Well, I guess they drive across the Cascade Mountain Range and buy it legally here on the west side of the state. All right, stay tuned. we got Michael Sindrich from Gridiron Cannabis Coalition coming up next.
You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everyone. 31 after the hour. And today we get to talk about two things that are near and dear to my heart. That's marijuana and football. And joining me to discuss the issue is the founder of the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, Michael Sindrich, joins us by telephone. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good. How you doing today? Uh, I'm fantastic, and I got to tell you, uh, the last event where I saw you, I, get, I think it was the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo down there in Phoenix, and you had Kyle Turley, Nate Jackson, Ricky Williams discussing this issue. Give folks an idea what the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition is all about. Sure. Yeah, we also actually had Evan Britton on the panel uh, as well. He was uh, he's one of our more recent. Uh, individuals that joined uh, our organization and, and joined the fight. Um, yeah, Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, we are uh, an organization dedicated to the advancement of uh, medical cannabis and the research of cannabis uh, with regards to treating sports-related injuries, uh, specifically brain injuries. Um, and, and, you know, we've been at it for about six months now, uh, attending events, uh, raising awareness. Uh, we are uh, in the process of putting together some, uh, some research trials uh, with some of the uh, players we're working with. Uh, so really, we're just doing whatever we can to uh, progress the science, progress the medicine, uh, provide an alternative treatment for current and former players, and hopefully in the end, change the NFL's substance abuse policy. You know, we've got uh, a lot of evidence coming in now scientifically that shows how uh, THC can help in the regeneration of, of brain cells and protection from the concussive trauma, the traumatic brain injury that these players are suffering from. Uh, but before we got any of that evidence, why did players, uh, some players like Ricky Williams, want to use cannabis? Well, you know, I think many of them weren't realizing that they were using it for medicinal purposes. I think that they were they were using cannabis. They know that uh, uh, you know it made them feel good. It helped with some of the injuries and some of the other issues that they were having. Um, and, and you know, they were just using it to, to generally feel good because when you're putting your body through uh, what these guys put their bodies through, um, you generally don't feel good after practices 
were after dance. Um, and I think that, you know, it has, uh, as science has progressed and the movement has progressed, um, it's become uh, a legitimate medicine. And now we're seeing, hey, you may have been using it to just feel good, uh, but really what you were doing is you were using it as a medicine, and you were probably substituting uh, cannabis for other pharmaceuticals or other products you could have been using. And, um, you know, and it's great to see. It's great to see uh, something like cannabis and other natural uh, holistic medicines being used uh, by these players, especially because the, the pharmaceutical industry really has been failing them. Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt to the uh, the level of pharmaceutical uh, use that is rampant in the NFL and other sports leagues, especially contact sports leagues. Uh, I'm I'm a Packers fan, so I remember the days when Brett Favre was battling his painkiller addiction. And uh, speak a little bit about that aspect of this. How how the the pharmaceutical industry, like you said, is failing these players. Yeah, and I'm sure I don't have to tell you or any of the listeners this, but uh, you know, uh, uh, painkiller overdose uh, deaths are down in states where where medical cannabis is legal. Um, and you know, these guys uh, and, and many of them are being put on uh, whether it's you know uh, Vicodin, Oxy, you know the, the the morphine, the different shots that they're getting in the locker room so they can just get back out on the field. I mean, pain is something that these guys are dealing with on a regular basis. Uh, so when it comes to uh, the the option, when you have this pain, uh, it's to uh, use substances that are oftentimes extremely addictive and that uh, really the more that you use, the more that you need, and, and it just sends them on a down, downward spiral. Um, and then you take, uh, you know, besides the, the, the pain-related issues, um, you look at some of the uh, other medicines that they've taken. As far as you know, what Kyle Turley will tell you, he's taken you know, everything from muscle relaxers to, um, to antidepressants, uh, antipsychotic uh, medications. Um, and he started seeing some things uh, later in life uh, that now we know are a direct result, um, in part because of the pharmaceuticals, but also because of the uh, his brain injuries. And the medicines that they were giving him uh, for some of these issues were actually creating uh, worse symptoms than what he was having before. Um, he was getting to a point where he was getting suicidal, he was getting homicidal, and, and he blames that in part uh, on the pharmaceuticals that he was being given. My goodness. All right. We're speaking with Michael Sindrich from the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. You can find him on Twitter at Gridiron Can, C-A-N-N. And uh, what's your website, Michael? Uh, gridironcannabis.com. Okay, gridironcannabis.com. Now, uh, coming out this uh, Christmas season, there's a movie that uh, delves into the NFL and their covering up of concussion-related injuries and, and damages. Uh, I think the movie's called Concussion. And uh, the NFL recently had a, uh, a nine-figure settlement in a concussion lawsuit. Do you think this is going to propel the NFL toward recognition of medical cannabis, or are they just going to have to are they going to hold off until the feds say something i think this will be part of what pushes them towards recognizing cannabis as a treatment and what we've seen with the nfl is they are uh they are very influenced by uh the public views and public perceptions and i think that this uh is not only going to change the nfl's view of cannabis and of concussions but uh, i think it will change the public 
uh, you know, their view in, in, in many cases. Um, and, and, you know, one thing is that it, it was supposed to come out around Christmas. The last I saw, I believe the release date got pushed back till the Friday after Super Bowl. It kind of makes you wonder uh, if that had something to do with marketing by Sony or if there was maybe some NFL influence there uh, that caused them to say, hey, you know, this is going to uh, create some issues and we're going to have to answer a lot of questions. And, um, you know, maybe it, it made more sense for them to, to pressure Sony to release that after the Super Bowl. Again, I don't know. Uh, but it, but it is uh, a little suspicious that that dates the move. Now, are, are you guys at Gridiron Cannabis uh, Coalition planning any sort of educational campaigns in in the stead? Uh, you know, maybe leading up to Super Bowl throughout the playoffs, handing out flyers, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we haven't specifically, we're not working with uh, Sony or with the movie, but uh, as far as what we're doing, yeah, we're gearing up for the Super Bowl. We're planning on um, doing some events uh, in, in Northern California. It just happens to be in Northern California this year. Uh, so we're planning on doing some events uh, to both promote uh, our cause and uh, the uh, the treatment of these players and, and utilizing cannabis as a treatment, um, and, and also to um, just to promote the legalization movement in general, uh, because we feel that uh, we need these laws to change. And we're just as happy seeing uh, full-on adult use recreational legalization, because that's what allows access. That's what allows the ability to uh, study and to to uh, to be able to use all of these different products. So um, we're fully supportive of, of, of all of these majors, and we're really gearing up to the Super Bowl and trying to do as much as possible between now and then. I would also think for a lot of these players, uh, having to get on some sort of medical cannabis registry might be troublesome from a privacy perspective, and they might prefer recreational legalization where they don't have to sign up for anything. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and especially if it's a uh, current player who uh, who doesn't want the league to know uh, what they're what they're doing and uh, you know that they're using cannabis. So, uh, is it is it too much to think that you know someday in my lifetime I'm going to see volcano vaporizers on the sideline for a guy that just got his bell rung, or are we really just looking at taking it off of the controlled substances testing list and you know turning a blind eye if if players are using it? Yeah, you know, I don't think we'll see uh, volcano vaporizers on the sidelines, but we may see some, uh, you know, chambers in the locker room where they can go in and get a certain uh, vapor. Maybe it's uh, non-psychoactive. Uh, you know, maybe there's uh, CBD water, other CBD products uh, that end up, uh, you know, being utilized. Uh, but really, I, I think, you know, part of uh, what we would like to see is, you know, this the medicine to move beyond, which it already is moving beyond just, you know, people who are smoking or vaping. Uh, we see the opportunities. There may be patches. There may be uh, any number of different products that these guys can use uh, that they can use on the sideline that they might even be able to use, you know, uh, if they have a patch on while they're playing so that you get your bell rung, you already have a, uh, a, a something going on with your brain. It's almost a, a second helmet uh, that is protecting you from the effects of that uh, of that hit. Now, are you working primarily at affecting the NFL, or do you also have some uh, uh, influence toward NCAA football? Well, you know, we we're, our focus right now has been on the NFL uh, because of the players that we're working with. Uh, it, it's our opinion that you know if we can effectuate change uh, with the NFL, that it will trickle down through college, uh, high school, uh, you know middle school, midget football, and then other sports as well. Um, because we, we believe that, you know, really uh, it's not just a football issue. And these are athletes who uh, are looking and who need, uh, looking for, and they actually need treatment for these different injuries that they're sustaining as a result of playing these sports. And, and you know, it, it's 
it's about the medicine. It's about giving them these alternative treatments, not forcing prescriptions on them when, when there are these other products that, that may help them. Uh, but really, yeah, we're talking to people in, in, in multiple sports right now. We've had been contacted by uh, professional surfers, uh, former NBA players, uh, uh, MMA uh, individuals that are in mixed martial arts. So, you know, really, this isn't just a football issue. This is an issue for all sports and all athletes, and, and especially uh, sports that have, uh, you know, that are uh, contact sports. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, this first came up, you know, uh, when we had that recent Super Bowl, Seattle versus Denver. And the joke was, you know, both teams play in states where marijuana is legal. And now medical marijuana, I think uh, at least, you know, 13 or 14 teams in the league live in a state or play in a state where medical marijuana is legal. Uh, are, are you looking at maybe restricting it to just those states where medical marijuana is legal or by taking it off the controlled substances uh, testing list, I guess it would affect all the states. Yeah, you know, I think it would affect all the states. I mean, really, these players are going to states on a fairly regular basis, even if they're not living in those states, where it is legal. Um, and if they can gain access to it, I mean, you know, some of them may choose to live in those states just so they can have their medicine. They may have to yeah. you know, travel for practice or, or live in, in the city where their team uh, resides uh, during the season. Uh, but many of them would choose to live elsewhere. And, you know, really, I think it's, it, it's taking it off of the NFL's controlled substance list um, and allowing any players to, to, to use it. And, and again, we don't want players breaking laws in states where it's illegal, um, but if they're in states where it is legal and they test positive the next day, uh, you know, in their state, it, it shouldn't be an issue. It's Michael Sindrich from the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. You can check out more about them at gridironcannabis.com. They're on Twitter at gridironcan, C-A-N-N. You can follow them out there. And final question, Michael, is there any strain out there that can fix the Green Bay Packers offense? <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, if you talk to Kyle, he'll tell you that, that Jack will fix just about uh, about anything for him. Uh, but I don't know about that Green Bay offense. I think it's going to take a lot more than that. I, I think you're right. Damn it. <laughs> all right. Michael Sindrich, thanks for joining us here on the Russ Belleville Show. Good luck with all your work, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you got ready for uh, the Super Bowl. We'll uh, make sure to hype it. Thank you very much. All right. GridironCannabis.com, folks. Check them out. I think it's one of the most important uh, advocacy groups we've got out there. Get that mainstream football sports-watching Midwest Southern audience getting to think about medical marijuana in terms of their favorite football heroes. It could change a lot of minds. All right, stay tuned. we got a Radical Rant coming up next. Fight for your legalization, not against someone else's. Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. The Russ Belleville Show, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. 
Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to ensure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, we're gearing up for the 2016 election, and marijuana legalization is likely to be on the ballot in five states. Already pretty much, uh, well, it's on the ballot in uh, Nevada. It's pretty much likely confirmed in Massachusetts and Arizona, where MPP's uh, forces have submitted more than enough signatures uh, to get on the ballot. Massachusetts has Bay State repeal as well. I haven't heard their signature counts lately. Uh, It's a grassroots effort that's far more liberal than MPP's uh, initiative. Also in Arizona, there's Arizonans for Mindful Reform, again, with a more liberal proposal, but again, no signature counts that I've heard so far. Uh, but the big fight is going to be in California, where the 800-pound gorilla in the room is the Sean Parker Initiative, otherwise known as the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, AUMA. And there are at least nine other initiatives that have been filed, but the uh, primary ones out there would be the MCLR, Marijuana Control legalization and regulation act, something like that. Uh, and the CCPR coalition for cannabis policy reform, AKA reform, California and the CCHI California cannabis hemp initiative, AKA the Jack Herrer initiative. Those are the, the big four I can think of off the top of my head. I know there's others out there. I don't know how much, uh, support they've actually gotten. Those are the main four. And already it's become online, this battle over, which one is true legalization and which one deserves our support. And I think all marijuana legalization deserves our support, right? Like if you're drowning and you are thrown a, uh, a, a, a rope and a life vest and a, uh, a life preserver and a rowboat are all sent out after you you won't care which one you're able to get a hold of so long as it saves you from drowning. You might prefer the rowboat, get out of the water, be a little drier. You might prefer the life vest, might not be as much effort to stay afloat, might prefer the life preserver, someone can tow you in somewhere. But if all you get is the rope, you'll be glad to get the rope. 
And so it is with marijuana legalization, as I see these activists um, lining up to fight the Sean Parker initiative. And part of the reason behind it is that the Sean Parker initiative has the money to win. The number one thing you need to win marijuana legalization is money. And the number two thing you need is money. And the number three thing you need is money. But let's just lay it out on the table. I don't like that it's that way. I wish our democracy was a more representative democracy where money didn't buy votes and power, but that's the world we live in. You need money. So the Sean Parker initiative is set for that. So for me, looking at the Sean Parker initiative, you'd have to find something in it that is such an egregious deal breaker that we'd have to reject its sure thing status of being able to get the signatures, get on the ballot and pass. That's a sure thing to me at this point. If the Sean Parker initiative gets all the signatures, which it will, and gets on the ballot, which it will, it will pass. I have no doubt about it. I have no doubt that it will pass. But at this point, you've got activists fighting against it, saying it's not good enough that we should support some other legalization, the Jack Herr Initiative or MCLR or Reform California. Hey, sure, support them too. Absolutely. I'm the first guy. I'd be the first guy in line to vote for the Jack Herr Initiative if it made the ballot. Absolutely. But if it made the ballot and Adult Use of Marijuana Act made the ballot and Reform California made the ballot and MCLR made the ballot, I'd vote for all them as well. Because I will not reject a rope, a life vest, a life preserver, or a rowboat. I'll take them all. I'll take them all. And I won't vote against one trying to help the other one. I can imagine a lot of people out there that might be CCHI supporters that would think, well, that uh, Sean Parker initiative is going to get a lot of votes from the more conservative people. So the only way CCHI can win is if we don't vote for it, if we vote against it and vote for CCHI or MCLR or Reform California. That way lies madness. And that way lies the only way we could possibly lose legalization in 2016 in California. If we divide the base, and remember, we're talking 8% of the people in California that that uh, use cannabis on a regular basis, maybe 6, 7, 8%, something like that. Of that 6, 7, 8%, a significant proportion, maybe 10, 15% are under the voting age. Of those that remain, how many of them actually vote? Right. But it's still a significant number. And if that base gets divided among two, three or four separate initiatives on the ballot, you know that our opposition base won't be divided. You know that if we tokers are splitting our votes four ways across four initiatives, you know, the cops won't be. You know the prison guards won't be. You know the rehabs won't be. You know the pharmaceutical and alcohol industries won't be. They'll be voting no on all of them. If they're going to be voting no on every chance to end our criminality, we need to vote yes on every chance to end our criminality. And already the complaints are coming in. And, and, and at this point, you know, none of them are on the ballot yet. So this is the season for criticism. This is the time 
to marshal your forces behind whichever legalization you most want to make the ballot. And I got no, no problem with someone if they want to fight for, let's say, MCLR and and proselytize for MCLR and raise money for MCLR and write about MCLR and propose and promote and cheerlead for MCLR. Love it. Great. Go for it. But when you start demeaning another activist legalization and telling people not to vote for it, that's a little different. Now, trying to convince people to support one over the other is fine. Like you could say, hey, look, uh, Jack Herrer initiative allows you to have unlimited personal possession. The uh, Sean Parker initiative only allows an ounce. Unlimited is better than an ounce. Help us pass Jack Herrer initiative. Great. That's wonderful. But if you start saying support Jack Herrer initiative and vote against Sean Parker, now we've got a problem. Now we've got a problem because now you are advocating taking away one of my options. You are advocating taking away the life preserver or the life vest or the rope because you only like the rowboat. And that's not cool to the drowning man because <laughs> maybe that rowboat don't make it in time. We've got to stand together and support every option available to legalize marijuana so long as it contains no odious poison pill provisions that make it deserving of a no vote. And you know my bar is pretty high to clear on that one. You've got to show me an initiative that makes things worse for the average toker. And the, the, the baseline on this one is Washington I-502. Legalized just an ounce, didn't legalize home grow, and created a brand new per se DYD. If we could get behind that and pass it, you're going to have to find me something worse than that to earn my no vote on a legalization initiative. And people are trying. But what's funny to me is when people try to point out what's so terrible about the Sean Parker initiative, it really comes down to three basic things. One, it doesn't legalize enough. Two, it creates more crimes. Three, it'll be a monopoly. Those are or some version of that, right? Those are the three main complaints people try to use to convince me that a legalization initiative is bad. Let's tear them down one by one. It doesn't legalize enough. We hear this all the time. We heard this going back to Prop 19. Oh, five by five garden. My God, that's just not enough. It only legalizes an ounce. My God, that's just not enough. Well, one ounce and six plants proposed by the Sean Parker initiative is the same one ounce that everybody else in every other legal state gets. Except Washington, D.C. gets two ounces, I believe. Maine, if they pass their legalization, it'll be two and a half ounces. But Massachusetts, Arizona, and Nevada, they've also got one ounce on the ballot fighting for the ballot. The current legal states have one ounce. So not enough. one ounce isn't enough compared to what? Compared to the zero you get now. Six plants isn't enough. Well, Oregon gets four. Washington gets zero. So California would have the most plants on the West Coast. Colorado only gives you three plus three, three mature, three mature. Alaska, I think, is the same, three by three. Uh, Washington, D.C. allows six with a max of 12 per household, so you get a little more in Washington, D.C. But I just don't understand this idea of, well, it doesn't legalize enough, so so take nothing? 
yeah, I, I'm all for the idea of like fight for more. Like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and try to pass the Jack Harrow initiative that gives you 12 pounds and unlimited, you know, 12 pounds and 99 plants or whatever the hell it is. Great. Yeah. Let's fight for that. Sure. But I'm not going to reject an ounce and six plants if that's the only option that comes up on the board, or even if it's just one of many options that come up on the board, because it'd be better to win one and one ounce and six plants than to be stuck with the continued criminalization of marijuana. Some people don't understand that legalization of even just an ounce changes everything. First thing it does is it retires your marijuana sniffing drug dogs. When an ounce is legal, Sniffing marijuana is no longer probable cause of any crime. And they have to retire the dogs that sniff pot because even if they can smell other things, meth, coke, heroin, whatever, if they're also trained to sniff pot, all a drug dealer has to do is keep a little pot with his stash and then his defense lawyer will get the evidence thrown out because the the dog could have been alerting to marijuana, which is legal. And changing that, just changing the drug dog sniff and the the probable cause that illegal marijuana gives cops doesn't just help the person growing an ounce and six plants. It helps everybody. Marijuana prosecutions in Washington state declined by 63%. All marijuana prosecutions declined by 63%, not just the less than an ounce misdemeanors, not just the home grows, but all All crimes, almost two out of three crimes were no longer prosecutable because of the end of that probable cause. That's in a state with no home grow that still maintains a 40 gram felony. In Colorado, where they legalized home grow, the reduction was 81%. Four out of five people who would have been busted for marijuana before legalization of an ounce didn't get busted because of legalization of an ounce. And if you legalize home grow, there goes all of that probable cause for the sight of marijuana leaves and seeds in your stems in your trash, electric bills, visiting the hydroponic store, buying a lot of fertilizer. None of that's probable cause anymore. So fight for every legalization you can. At this point, before they make the ballot, it's cool to pick your favorite and fight for it. But once any of them makes the ballot, they deserve your support. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Hour 2. Toker Talk Radio will take your live calls. 971-533-7111. For one here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. Now it's your turn to make a difference. Get involved at specialolympics.org. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? 
where you can tell. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about Toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enema man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome, welcome, everyone. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, and the phone lines are open. You can call me here at 971-533-7111. Open topics, whatever you would like to talk about, we are ready to talk about it here at 4 at CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> it's going to take a while. At the end of the news today, I... Uh, Messed up and said 420 Radio News again. So uh, it's going to take me a while to uh, get this taken care of, uh, to get it uh, changed in my mind. But uh, thanks for sticking with me as I tried to get through it. Um, big news coming out of Missouri. Of course, uh, the folks at Show Me Cannabis are working hard for a medical marijuana amendment there in the state of Missouri. Uh, also, the founder of Show Me Cannabis, Travis Maurer, has been featured on Newsweek Magazine's cover story called Cannabis Crusader. And uh, it's already generating a lot of um, a lot of talk here in the cannabis community, uh, good and bad, uh, with respect to its subject. Uh, all I can say is that Travis Maurer saved my ass when I was uh, let go from normal. And first, my first three months as an independent broadcaster, uh, I couldn't have survived without him. So uh, I got to recuse myself from any sort of discussions. Uh, but I did want to point out that um, there is a project uh, from Show Me Cannabis that is working on a uh, an ad. Basically, they've got they've got a glad. I don't know what that is. Gladitude. Oh, gladitude is what it's called instead of gratitude. Got it. They've got this gladitude account, and I'm going to share this out in my Twitter uh, at Radical Russ as well. And uh, you could donate to this to help them get this uh, commercial on the air. Uh, obviously, it's a video commercial. All we've got here is audio since we're on the radio. But uh, I'll play this ad for you. This is called uh, Support Medical Marijuana in Missouri. I'm guilty of trying to control my muscle spasms and manage my pain. Manage my pain. I'm guilty of trying to get my appetite back after going through chemo. I'm guilty of trying to subdue my daughter's epilepsy. Epilepsy. I am guilty of treating my pain. I'm guilty of treating my migraines. I am guilty of treating my Alzheimer's. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I am guilty. I am guilty. 
Medical marijuana isn't criminal. It's time for Missouri to join 23 other states and reform medical marijuana laws. Donate now. Great commercial. Uh, as that runs, each one of those people uh, is holding a placard like they're taking a, a mugshot. And the placards say lawyer or priest or student or family, uh, just indicating that these are regular, everyday people that use medical cannabis and they shouldn't be treated as criminals in the state of Missouri or anywhere. So if you can uh, get out to that gratitude link that I put out on my Twitter feed at radical Russ and uh, make a donation, they just launched this thing. So they're only uh, having, haven't even uh, topped a hundred bucks yet. So they need a lot of money. hundred thousand dollars is their goal. Give what you can to show me cannabis and let's get medical marijuana smack dab in the mid, in the, in the Southern Midwest there, you know, uh, <clears throat> all these Southern States have these, CBD only laws. And of course, these CBD only laws help very few people, and those they do help, they don't help enough. They don't help them enough because we found that even with these epileptic kids that can get some benefit from CBD oil, they still need some THC. They still need some THC uh, as part of that uh, treatment. So a lot of these. Southern parents are given this false hope, this false hope of being able to treat their kids epilepsy. And then they find that not only does what they have not work, but they have to get it from out of state. They have to go to Colorado or some other state that has CBD oil and risk the interstate trafficking charges, bringing it back to their home state. This is a ridiculous way to try to run medical cannabis, especially when we're talking about little kids that have very little time on this planet without it. And we want to put these hurdles in people's way. No, let's get real medical marijuana passed in Missouri. Show these southern states they don't have to worry about real whole plant medical marijuana. That it's all right. And that it's going to help their kids out. And it's going to be so much better than these CBD only laws. I mean, I'm glad that places like Texas and Oklahoma have admitted some sort of medical uh, utility to the cannabis plant. And that's nice. But I, 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 again, I worry about that false hope element. A lot of these parents, they see the Dr. Gupta special and they think that CBD is going to be this miraculous cure. And then uh, they find that it doesn't do what, as, as was advertised, because they can't mess with the CBD THC ratios like they can in Colorado or other legalized states. It's time to open up as many options to these parents as possible, not restrict them to just a few. And now, a message from former President George W. Bush to remind the American people of our responsibility in our nation's war on certain American citizens, non-pharmaceutical, non-alcoholic, tobacco-free drugs. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. That's right, America, use less drugs. Put down the Prozac, the Vioxx, and the Levitra, and turn to the herb. Use less drugs. Our national policy is no longer just say no, it's now just slow down. You get me too high. I overanalyze. If you've ever been too high, then you can sympathize. You get me too, too high. Too high. And I start to fly if I said some silly thing, and that's the reason why.
the son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Welcome back, everyone. 11 after the hour with that royalty-free, almost version of my Sharona. <laughs> you may have noticed some of the change in the sonic structure of the Russ Belville show. As we move to a full two-hour podcast, I'm having to take out all the copyrighted music. So uh, that's going to be uh, problematic for our 20 after break. As you know, we do our daily Toker Tunes 20 after break, and we get uh, some stony music to play for you. I'm afraid that's going to go away starting in January. That's right. No daily Toker Tunes break starting in January. But all the mu- all of the uh, music editors you've come to know and love here on the show, at least it's offered to them, will still be a part of uh, 420radio.org and uh, their current live shows or current shows that they do for you. So you can still get your great music. It'll still be on 420radio.org. You just won't be a part of this show anymore. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> so sorry, but yeah, we got to make it uh, got to make a podcast friendly, so no copyrighted music. I did want to make a quick announcement of the upcoming International Cannabis Business Conference. Uh this I tell you, things are already heating up for my schedule. Uh this weekend is the Northwest Cannabis Classic here in Portland. I'm a judge. I'm judging uh concentrates. And so it's on Sunday. I'll bring you some audio highlights from it coming up on next week's shows. The following weekend is the Emerald Cup. And everybody has been asking me, Russ, you going to the Emerald Cup? Are you going to be at the Emerald Cup? And they're always surprised to find out that I've never been to the Emerald Cup. I don't know that I'll make it this time. Although I've been challenged to a debate on the, uh, on the Sean Parker Initiative. I don't I don't know why, but I've been challenged to a debate on this thing and uh, I'll, I'll accept the debate challenge. But here's the thing. You want me somewhere to debate. You got to pay for my transportation, my hotel, uh, my food. Right. I'm not going to you know, spend my own money to come to your debate. So if you can come up with the funds to get me there and get me per diem. Hell, yeah. We'll talk about I'll talk about legalization to anybody anywhere at any time. Just got to pay to get me there. <clears throat> So I don't think I'll be at the Emerald Cup. And then uh, the f- next weekend is the weekend before Christmas. And then there's Christmas weekend. Then there's New Year's weekend. And then what do you know? We're smack into January. And in January, 
on the final weekend of January, I've been invited to the Hawaii Cannabis Expo in Honolulu. And I would love to get out to the Hawaii Cannabis Expo. I'd love the chance to meet my listener high in Hawaii, who's been a big part of our chat room for a long time. Again, it just is a matter of a plane ticket, a hotel room, and money to eat. (laughs) So I'm working on it. We're going to see if we get some sponsorship to get out to Hawaii. That'd be my first time out in Hawaii. But that's on the final weekend of January, which is also my birthday weekend. January 31st, I turned 48. The following weekend, now this is interesting. High Times does their Northern California Cup, or Southern California Cup, I should say, uh, down in San Bernardino at the National Orange Center, the NOS Center, right? Normally they do it like the first or second weekend of February, but this year they're doing it two weekends in a row. They're going to have the High Times Southern California Cannabis Cup on that final weekend in January and the first weekend in February. So I'm going to cover that second weekend, the first uh, weekend in February for CannabisRadio.com. And then the following weekend is the International Cannabis Business Conference. And that's what I wanted to get to here is this is going to be on Valentine's weekend, like the second year in a row they've done this on Valentine's weekend. Uh, International Cannabis Business Conference. Keynote speakers include Andrew Sullivan. Now, you know Andrew Sullivan from The Daily Dish, longtime blogger and political commentator. You see him on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher, uh, was a a, a fierce activist for uh, gay rights, for marriage equality. Andrew Sullivan spoke at one of the other international cannabis business conferences and said it was the best conference, period. So uh, Andrew will be back. Also, the king of cannabis himself, Arjun Roxham. Arjun Roxham, of course, the cannabis seed seller and founder of Greenhouse Coffee Shops and Greenhouse Seed Company in Amsterdam. You can find out more about him at the website, kingofcannabis.com. Not to be confused with the king of pot. That was Michael Malta back in Massachusetts. Rest in peace. But Arjun Roxham will be speaking at the International Cannabis Business Conference, as will Tommy Chong. That's right. Tommy Chong's been signed on for a keynote address at the International Cannabis Business Conference. You can find out more at internationalcbc.com, internationalcbc.com. And um, I'll be honest, though, it's going to cost you. (laughs) It's $499 for early bird tickets. Uh, And then you've also got to get your rooms at the Hyatt Regency, which are not cheap. So that's part of, you know, some people worry about that. And bring up the idea that, you know, these things aren't available for the average activist. They're, they're too expensive for the average activist. And that's true. These, this is a business conference. It's an international cannabis business conference. And these business conferences, no matter what business you're in, auto parts, you know, pharmaceuticals, it doesn't matter. These conferences cost money. Any of them that are a professional development conference, you're going to spend three to $500 to go to these things. Now there will still be Seattle hemp fest. There will still be Portland hemp stock. There will still be all sorts of events that are available for the activist community, not to mention, you know, normal meetings and so forth. But, uh, these events uh, are going to cost some money. Other people that'll be speaking at the international cannabis business conference include Amanda Ryman, my friend from the drug policy Alliance, uh, a big, big 
activist in California for legalization. We've also uh, got uh, Lucas Behal, uh, who's the uh, managing director of CannaFest, who does cannabis trade shows and so forth. So many of the speakers getting lined up here for the event, all sorts of exhibitors. Uh, Celeb Stoner will be there. Freedom Leaf will be there. I'll be there with 420 Radio uh, and CannabisRadio.com. And uh, we hope you can be there too. Check it out at internationalcbc.com. Also, keep in mind there's great networking opportunities and entertainment events going on these things as well. I'm pretty sure that uh, Alex will be able to get Dell the Funky Homo Sapien as part of our event because uh, they're good friends. Um, The program uh, at the International CBC includes a, a congressional update. Uh, an update on California regulations, a look at legalization in California in the future, the other states looking to legalize, um, some successful business strategies, how to pitch your cannabis, trends in cannabis and cannabis around the world. That's coming up. And, of course, the legendary after parties that are uh, becoming uh, uh, historic in the uh, in the movement. I've been to a couple of them, and I tell you, they're a lot of fun. Uh, great people to meet. Great information to pick up, great events to be enjoyed. It's the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. I'll be there covering it live for CannabisRadio.com just in case you can't afford to go. But hey, grab your sweetie, make your way to San Francisco for Valentine's Day. It's going to be a good one. Maybe we should start at 420, right? (laughs) Marijuana reference. And a good marijuana reference, it is Homer, because it is 420 here in the Pacific time zone. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we got some Electric Tuesday music. Electric Bob calling us up from Phoenix, Arizona, with some electronica right after this. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. July 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Northern. Get Dot Buzz. Dot Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. 
DotBuzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. DotBuzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. DotBuzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. Everyone knows music and marijuana go together, so let's wind up our 20-after break with the Russ Belleville Show's Daily Toker Tunes, the best in pod save 420 music from around the web. Today is Electric Tuesday, featuring the latest in electronic dance music and other cutting-edge genres. Now, sit back and enjoy your Daily Toker Tunes. All right, welcome back for some Daily Toker Tunes. We've got Electric Bob on the line. How you doing, Bob? I'm feeling pretty iry, Russ. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. What's the temperature like in Phoenix these days? Uh, it's a nice 60. 60. Oh, so it's finally livable. How perfect is that? All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I got a, a number of tunes that came through on the Dropbox. I'm not sure which one you've got loaded up for today. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm going to be gone for a week, so I, I loaded up a bunch. Uh, this is actually uh, Neuropunk. He's out of Seattle, actually. Uh, he just had a show in Oregon, in uh, Portland, at the at the Rose Pub uh, recently with a bunch of, with a bunch of other guys. That's cool. I mean, we just uh, I was just last week at uh, the uh, karaoke from Hell with Bacon Dan, and uh, the band Gogol Bordello came in for their after party. They had been playing in Portland, and they're a band that uh, Gordon Green had just played on the previous Wednesday. So, kind of, we're getting all these uh, these Daily Toker Tunes bands coming in here to Portland. Yeah, man, I. I need to go out to Portland and go see some shows, man. I guess so. Now, uh, I also know that you've got a record label that you've got put together. You're working with some other artists. What's the latest on that? Uh, I, I've been really busy. I've been putting, I'm putting together uh, an album and two compilations right now. I'm getting them pressed to CD. Oh, very gonna, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to release uh, with like proper artwork, proper CD cases with inlays and clear trays and all that all that good stuff like a like a retail cd right on now uh are these uh artists that you pick up from the local area or are they from all over they're from all over the world i have people and i have people here in arizona i have people all over the u.s canada uk australia japan I, I work with a lot of people yeah yeah all right well um if people want to know more about that do you have a website where people can uh look yeah, up the artists you can and such? check us out at uh soundcloud uh one of my record labels is broken souls at uh, b-r-o-k-e-n uh space s-o-l-e-s and then my other label is dark till dawn records it's uh t-i-l just with one l and uh, you can find us on soundcloud i'm working to get our tunes on an itunes and uh, juno download very cool all right. Well, let's uh, let's get to some of this music here for our 420 break. And I, I hope you're able to take a 420 break. Is everything uh, good supply-wise there in Arizona? Oh, yeah, man. I got a medical card, so I'm I'm straight right now. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I, I say that when I know there's people struggling, but that's just how it is. That's just how it is. You got to do what you got to do. All right. Exactly. Let's get into the tune. Uh, this is Neuropunk. Uh, is that the name, right? Yeah, Neuropunk. It's uh, Better Tomorrow. All right.
The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're listening to 420 Radio. Listen Sundays at 1 p.m. Pacific for Hemp Beach TV, podcasting at hempbeach.com. Skunk and his crew bring you the best festivals and events from all over the country in this weekly show, courtesy of Hemp Beach TV. Entertaining and lots of fun for the 420-friendly party crowd. Check our online listings for Hemp Beach TV with Skunk and the crew from hempbeach.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Oh, welcome back, everybody. We're in the bottom half of the second hour of the Russ Belleville Show, Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. That's 971-533-7111. If you've got any questions, comments, suggestions, topics, anything you want us to discuss, we can do it here, where you become the voice of the marijuana nation on the Russ Belleville Show. Checking out some of the off the warpath news. This is our segment where we talk about things not directly related to the war on drugs. The police chief in Chicago has been fired by Mayor Rahm Emanuel. The city's police superintendent was fired a week after the release of the dash cam video that showed a white Chicago police officer fatally shooting a black teenager 16 times. The dismissal of Gary McCarthy, the city police superintendent, comes just days after he insisted to reporters that the mayor has his back. The mayor praised McCarthy's leadership, but said it's an undeniable fact the public's trust in the police has eroded. Protesters have been calling for McCarthy's dismissal since the handling of the death of Laquan McDonald. Now, keep in mind, Laquan McDonald was killed in October of 2014, and it took this many months before the video was made public. And you know that had this video not been made public, there'd have been no charges for this police officer, and this police superintendent would still have his job. And we're starting to see pushback from the cops now 
with respect to the citizens wanting to keep an eye on him. I read a quote the other day that said a camera to a cop is like a crucifix to a vampire. And now everybody's got a camera on their cell phone and a lot of these cell phones have live streaming that can send the video directly to the web. So it doesn't even matter if the cops snatches your phone or deletes the files on it because it's already made it up to the cloud. And this has led to a pushback by police officers citing something they call the Ferguson effect. And they're, of course, referring to Ferguson, Missouri, where Michael Brown was murdered by the cops and all the protests took place and the riots and so forth. And the cops say that this Ferguson effect is the increase in violent crime in America recently being tied to cops who are afraid to react to the violent crime for fear that their reaction will be caught on videotape and go viral. They'll lose their jobs and be sued and all that. What does that say for our police force? What does that say for policing in America? When they feel like if we can see what they're doing, it's going to negatively impact their job. They are tacitly telling us that if they're not allowed to beat and shoot and kill people with impunity, why, it's just going to get more violent out there. And this is this, you know, I like to call it the uh, the Colonel Jessup uh, uh, theory, right? You remember, is it Jessup from, uh, uh, um, you can't handle the truth, right? Remember uh, 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 Jack Nicholson, A Few Good Men? That was the movie, wasn't it? You can't handle the truth. And the idea, you know, his character being cross-examined by Tom Cruise and the character talks about the terrible job they have to do trying to keep people safe and the dirty and dastardly things they have to do. And you want us there on that wall and you wouldn't want to know what goes on. And it's better off you don't know because of the terrible things that have to happen. And if we have to be all politically correct and, you know, care about people's rights, then we'll never be able to protect us. That's that's the mindset of a lot of these cops. That's the mindset of a lot of these war on drugs people. Really, they I, I really believe their mindset is, yeah, marijuana, you know, we shouldn't bust people for marijuana, lock them up or anything. But if we didn't, well, you know, things would go haywire. There'd be chaos in the streets. We got to we got to got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, right? We got to we got to accept some collateral damage or else things would just be much worse. We'd have addicts in the streets and crime would run rampant. That's that's the attitude of a lot of people. And it shows in these cops claiming there's some sort of Ferguson effect where if we film them, they can't do their jobs. Well, your job shouldn't involve abusing people. That's the point we're making here. You know, I remember interviewing a cop years ago, before I even got this show. And it was on uh, one of the cable access shows I did. I remember talking to this cop, you know, about tasers. The subject was tasers at the time and how they were being overused and people were dying from, you know, electrocution and such, you know, heart attacks from tasers and all that. And uh, the cop pointed out that tasers were originally deployed 
to be a less than lethal option for cops so that they wouldn't have to shoot people. They could use a taser instead. But guess what happened? Shootings didn't go down. Cops are still shooting as many people as they've always shot. And they're tasing people now. <laughs> right? We, did, we didn't reduce the shootings at all, but we added a whole bunch of people getting shocked. And so this cop, as I was interviewing him, I said, well, you know, he, he made the point of like, look, I was a cop in the 60s. I was a, I was a cop during uh, the, the, the unrest that went on in the late 60s. And we didn't have tasers and we didn't kill people. Yeah, knocked some heads. You know, there were, it, I'm not saying the cops were, were great, right? I'm not saying they were wonderful throughout history. Of course not. But this cop at least pointed out that, look, we didn't, we didn't have this problem of, of killing people in, in great numbers like we do now. I mean, we've got, you know, you're more likely to be killed by a cop in this country than by a terrorist. And that's including all our mass shooters as terrorists, right? <laughs> you're still more likely to be killed by a cop. So, yeah, enough of this Ferguson effect idea. We need more of this. We need more of these cameras. You know, uh, that was one of the fears, you know, coming up. I remember coming up, growing up in the late 20th century. Oh, Big Brother, 1984. Big Brother is watching you. Well, now it's turned around and Little Brother is watching them. We all have cameras now and we can all share this information now. And that's got the people in power terrified. They're not used to being seen and recorded. There are a lot of groups out there online you can get involved with. Filming Cops, I think, is one of them. Uh, Cop Watch is another. And and there's differences between the groups. One's more liberal-leaning. One's more libertarian-leaning. You know, I don't care about the politics of it. I care about we're filming cops. And I would encourage people, whenever you see someone pulled over or being... In, in interface with a cop, record it. You don't know what might happen. And by you recording it, you may change their behavior toward that person. Now, don't get in between them and the person. Don't approach them. You got to stay back. You got to let them do their job. You cannot interfere with the police officer, but you have the absolute right to film them. No matter what they say, if they say, stop filming. You say, officer, I have a first amendment right to film you. Officer, we're in a public place. I have a right to film you. Now, lately, we've seen some cops taking up some actions to try to block people who are filming. I saw a film recently from uh, Las Vegas where there was a, a person being dealt with, drunk driver or whatever. And the person trying to film him is, is across the street filming him. And two of the cops come in and like and try to intimidate him and stand in front of him and stand in front of his camera so that all they can shoot, all he can shoot is his, is the cop's chest. And this guy's trying to hold his camera up, you know, above his head to try to look. And they're holding their hands up to try to block it. We've got cops now actively trying to block filming. Now, it's not against the law. I mean, they, they can stand and talk to people and so forth. But, you know, it's certainly against the, 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 the gist of the law, the intent of the law to allow people to film. But don't ever fight the cops. If they confiscate your phone, tell it to the judge. Get yourself a lawyer. Don't try to grab the phone back. Merely touching a police officer can get you an assault charge, and you don't want that. But please, if you've got the opportunity to film a cop, film a cop. You'll be glad you did. Jive, marry, grifo, grass, hay. Technically, it's cannabis sativa. 
the common name, marijuana. She has found a crutch to see her through her difficulties instead of facing up to them and coping with them. And in time, she may be ready to try something different, something better. Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs, we've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com. And follow Herb Age and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. This is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. All right, welcome back, everyone. 43 after the hour, approaching 44 after. I'm Radical Russ. You're listening to Toker Talk Radio here on CannabisRadio.com. We got a phone call coming in from the 410 area code. 410, you're on the air. What's happening? Hey, Russ, this is Dave, man. I'm calling from Arizona. Hi, Dave. Um, I was listening to your rant there, you know, about the cops. I'm, I'm, I 100% agree with you. But I think one thing I see missing from the narrative from, like, across the board is that these cops are under control of city councils, uh, county executives, governors, and that. And I think if you really want real change, that you're going to have to go after the, the people that are in, in charge of these um, police departments around the, you know, everywhere, because they're just... You know, they're the law enforcement people under the jurisdiction of these local and state governments, you know. Yeah. And those are the people. I think that's missing from the narrative that this goes on and, you know, our elected officials that are supposed to be taking care of this are just turning a blind eye, you know. Yeah, and so you anyway, know, the, the other puzzle piece would be, you know, maybe not so much a blind eye as they see it as, you know, it's, it's a line item on their budget. We gotta bust so many people to get the fine money, to get the the restitution money, and and to get the asset forfeitures to fund our city or county. I'm sure that's a big part of it too. Yeah, you know? no doubt about it. Yeah. Are you yeah. are well, you are you in Maricopa County by any chance? No, I'm way down south. I'm in Cochise County. Okay, so not not as bad as Bill Montgomery Land, right? Well. 
<laughs> I don't know. Just put it this way, man. It's just I got like probably three churches within spitting distance of my house. <laughs> I get you. you. Know, I, I get you very much, man. Yeah, it's, it's like good people, good people, but you know they just they just have a different perspective on life. A yeah. lot of them come from just a different place and time. You know, yeah, it is. So yeah, no, a lot man. of it will age out, hopefully, and uh, the world will become a calmer place. No doubt. So anyway, I just wanted to make that comment. You know, okay. That, you know, we we get down on the cops, but you know what? They're they have they're under the control of people we elect to control them. Yeah. And, that's missing, I think, a lot. I think you're right. Thanks for calling in, Dave. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, man. I love your show and try to catch you as often as I can. Thank uh, you. Yeah, spread the word. Spread the word. Yeah, uh, we're here uh, every weekday, uh, and you can call in live in the second hour from uh, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we got a whole live hour here where you can call in. We like to take all these calls and hear from people all across the marijuana nation. A lot of different perspectives out there. And, yeah, I think Dave's got a, a good point there, and it does you know, speak to the fact that, yeah, some cops are sadistic bastards who, you know, were never popular in high school and want to lord their power over people. But a lot of them, I think, are just cogs in the machine. And it's the machine itself that we that has to be addressed, right? Like, you know, we, we got to tear down these laws that allow them, you know, take the tools out of their toolkit. You know, some cops are just going to be assholes no matter what. So let's take some of their tools of assholery out of the toolkit, right? Let's make it so that just because you smell like weed, they can't start treating you badly. That's that's where, that's what we can do is we can change these laws. But uh, Dave's point about changing the politicians is also salient and can be done. We got it right here in the state of Oregon. We had two Democrats that were fighting for the nomination for uh, attorney general, Ellen Rosenblum and Dwight Holton. And Dwight Holton was an anti-marijuana son of a bitch. And we made that known here in the state of Oregon. We raised money for Ellen Rosenblum. And despite all odds and all predictions that he would run away with the race, he lost. That's right. His anti-marijuana views cost him his job. And more of that needs to happen. More of these politicians, when they realize spewing reefer madness costs you your job, they'll stop spewing reefer madness. Another great example was Beto O'Rourke. He was a city council president in, uh, or was he the mayor? I forget. But uh, down in El Paso, Texas, took on an eight-term congressman named Sylvester Reyes. Sylvester Reyes had won eight elections and was guaranteed to win the ninth until Beto O'Rourke opposed him. And, And Sylvester Reyes ran these ads the a Republican. Now, these guys are Democrats, right? But that a Republican would typically run against a Democrat. And that was like Beto O'Rourke smokes marijuana. He thinks marijuana ought to be legal. He'd legalize weed. What a drugged up loser Beto O'Rourke is. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know that's the basic attack ad idea, right? Paint Beto O'Rourke as this big drug supporter. And he won <laughs> despite the negative ads or maybe because of the negative ads. Beta O'Rourke won that congressional district and recently won re-election to it. So more of these politicians are going to start to recognize that, hey, we can't be all reefer madness anymore. Already you've got Hillary Clinton slightly shifting her position, coming more toward the let's have medical marijuana side. 
And Bernie Sanders come right out and said he'd deschedule marijuana. The best possible move the feds could make, deschedule marijuana. So it's changing, folks. Now, I want to um, respond to one of my rants. Uh, you know, I post all my radical rants at uh, hightimes.com. You can catch them on Tuesdays and Fridays. And my radical rant from last Tuesday is getting passed around in a lot of drug reform circles. It's entitled Black Drug War Reparations. How would that work? And if you remember my rant, it was basically how can we see to it that when as, as we're legalizing marijuana, it benefits the communities, primarily black and Latino communities, that have been so devastated by the war on drugs. And I basically outlined four things we could do kind of in in increasing order of, I don't know, severity is not the right word, increasing order of magnitude, of radicalness. All right, here's my idea, right? First of all, the the the, the least we can do when we legalize marijuana in a state is to not put in these ridiculous restrictions on people who previously have convictions in the drug war from being able to get a license. Like, if you were a weed dealer and you got busted, why should you not be able to get a license? Don't we want to make you legal? Why would we kick out the people who got busted for a grow when they're the people that best know how to grow? And this does have a racial impact because you're more likely to get busted if you're black or Latino. So not giving licenses to people who've been busted is de facto racist because more people of color got busted. The second option is distribute the tax revenues in such a way that it benefits communities of color through education programs, job training programs, economic revitalization zones, whatever you want to call it. But neither of those two things stops white businessmen from coming in and capitalizing on legalization. So if you wanted to go Further on this, how about an affirmative action plan for uh, legalization for the licenses? A scoring system, right? Like maybe you get extra points if you did time or got busted. And another idea would be to assign points or assign licenses based on the racial demographics of the drug of the drug war. Like if your county locked up 60% black people and 40% white people, then 60% of the licenses should go to black people and 40% to white people. Now, I knew writing this would generate some controversy, and that was what it was intended to do. Let's think about this and figure out how, you know, if we're going to say there should be black drug war reparations, how would we do that? And I'll address one of the comments on this, but right now we've got a phone call from the 425 area code, and so I want to find out what you have to say. You're on the air, 425. What's on your mind? Hey, Radical Russ. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there. Hey, I don't want to... um keep jumping around with topics, uh, then you probably don't want to get me going on the, the police state uh, that we find ourselves in. Uh, I just don't have any use for them, but I guess I'd like to talk with you about uh, music and independent music, and it kind of sounds like that's what, what you're involved in, and uh, kind of like to see if see what your thoughts are on festivals and live streams yeah yeah i don't know if now is a good time big oh yeah big fan of it uh independent music is a a lot of what i've played you know in the first few years of doing this show because you know we didn't have ascap and bmi and all that licensing you know it costs money 
So a lot of these independent guys were the first uh, musicians that I played on the network. And as the network evolves, as 420 Radio continues to evolve, we're going to be a network that covers these festivals and these and these independent bands. So you're going to get even more of it here on 420 Radio. Right on. I think that's what uh, we need is more alternatives than what we're seeing on TV. Yeah. And I wanted to talk with you. I don't know. You know, you're talking about redistribution, just kind of, you know, as it related to taxation and just, you know, different paradigms. But I think that the music industry and protestables and concerts uh, can help in that regard. I mean, just look at Woodstock and just the anti-war movement in general. I think I think that um, there's so much centralization that's going on, and I just want to see what you think about, you know, independent artists and, and paying people for like redistribution of like live streams. And where I'm going with this is uh, cryptocurrency. So artists can get paid. And, and I guess that would also be the festivals. Yeah. You know, currently you're probably aware of a lot of festivals, be it hemp fest, they have their own streams, but what if there was a way to restream that out? I mean, that's, that's something that's going to take uh, you know, somebody's going to have to give approval for rights and all that. But, what what about a way to to microfund and pay artists directly, just so we don't end up with you know Britney Spears and and Justin Bieber over and over again? I just see what your yeah. thoughts are on paying people in yeah. that regard. Uh, you know, thanks for your call. I appreciate that, and you know that is something that I've been uh, uh, considering with this whole 420 Radio evolution is how we might integrate some of those ideas uh, either through PayPal or through Bitcoin or anything like that. I don't have the tech experience to be able to pull it off, though. So if you do know of anybody uh, that is interested in that and interested in developing that for 420 Radio, please let me know. You can always get a hold of me. I'm Radical Russ everywhere. So you can get a hold of me on Gmail, RadicalRuss at gmail.com, on Twitter at RadicalRuss, on Facebook at RadicalRuss, Instagram at RadicalRuss, Periscope, YouTube, SoundCloud, um, Probably MySpace and Tinder. I don't know. <laughs> I've got a count out there everywhere. I shouldn't. You shouldn't have any trouble getting in touch with me. I'm Radical Russ everywhere. But folks, that's about all the time we got for today. We got a close up shot because got more shows coming up here on CannabisRadio.com. Appreciate my calls. Love talking to people from all over this country. This weekend I'll be at the Northwest Cannabis Classic here in Portland. I'm a judge, so I'll let you know how things go on Monday. We'll also have interviews with various vendors and contest entrants and speakers from the Northwest Cannabis Classic. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Rolla J Studios here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down.